This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody, for what will be your Tuesday PFF night. Uh, we sit down with John Costco. Obviously, we try to, well, with a game like yesterday, we'll try to find some of the good. We'll focus on some of the bad. John's got something he wants to get to here um, as far as organizational hier- hierarchy which I kind of like, we'll go into that. Um, you know, I mean, there's not only so much we can give you on Denver. Obviously, we've got a quarterback who's playing Sunday who hasn't taken an NFL snap. So, you know, always find a way to, uh, you know, get a little bit more out of John here. And look, if John's got something he wants to talk about, he's nice enough to give up his time. We'll find a way to make it all work. Um, so your local experts, Jeff Lloyd, John Costco from PFF, on the biggest stories, Cleveland Brown-wise, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. John, I, I guess easiest way to start, um, how about we just go with this? For you guys in the your grading system, how difficult is it to do a Nick Chubb day like yesterday? Because I mean, really, you know, and we, I mean, I mean, we talked about this last. You remember with Callaway, you know, the long run, the fumble by the goal line. Um, explain how a day like Nick Chubb had yesterday works under the PFF lens. Yeah, because um, we grade everything on an individual basis. We're not, we're not just like looking at the whole picture or something like that and and slapping a grade on it. We're grading every single individual play for its merit, um, and you know, based on what you do on that individual play, um, and that then totals up and kind of goes into number cruncher and spits out a out a grade based on our historical database of, uh, you know how how you know, how it looked in, in terms of the plus minus scale that we give. So like, you know, Nick Chubb, if he say has an outside zone, uh, breaks a tackle, gains eight yards, you know, he's getting probably like a 0. 0.5 for that. Cause he's, he's created, you know, he, he created some of his own yards, um, you know, probably independent of what the blocking did. You know, if he, if he would have gotten tackled by that guy instead of breaking that tackle. So say for a three or four yard gain, he's not doing anything above and beyond what his blockers did. You know, he'd be getting a zero. So like on a play where he fumbled after a 50 some odd yard run, you know, we're grading it, you know, pot, you know, there's positive grades that go along that way because he's, you know, he obviously hit the hole properly, broke some tackles, uh, had a good burst. Uh, but then when you, if you, if he would have gotten tackled, his grade would have been capped off at what that grade was there. Uh, but then he fumbled and fumbling is, is inherently bad. So you get a, a heavy downgrade. So it, it kind of balances out there in terms of, basically negates any of the big play that he had. Um, and then probably a little bit, you know, more there. Um, so, and it's a net negative, but it's not like a monster net negative there, especially on that one. So when it comes down to it, from an individual play basis, obviously, you know, you could have phenomenal runs along the way, uh, the rest of the game. So then you could eventually have a decent game overall. It's just like an interception, you know, it's a one play thing where you throw a bad pass. Uh, but if you make up for it with a lot of other good plays, um, you know, you can you can wash out that negative with with more good. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, first, it seemed I mean, obviously, you know, first off, you felt bad for him. And I'm dealing with these people on you sit. Oh, you got to sit him because, you know, any opportunity you get to sit your most positive offensive weapon, who's literally almost crying at himself and how angry he is because, you know, Nick Chubb has always kind of been the problem around here. That's what you really got to worry about. Um, nobody's going to be more tough on themselves than Nick Chubb. Um, you know, and, and everybody, oh, just hold it a little tighter. No crap. Nick Chubb's been playing running back forever. He knows he made a mistake. He knows what he's got to do. And he came back strong, had a great day. The one thing I thought they actually missed in the, the calling of the game is, and you're starting to see it, and he does it a little bit better, a little bit differently than Le'Veon Bell, though, 
but he does have that kind of like it's almost like the the slight hesitation where all right let me let this guy let me give him enough let me give him a third of a second and then he's got this block and I'm outside one of them that rang true to me was on um I guess it was the screen where he ended up getting almost like nine yards but he waited just that tick you know and so many young running backs they just want to go 100 million miles an hour like a deer getting loose you know in a wild but him he's just intelligent enough to see if I just give him the tiniest bit and he's he's that's one of the things you know as impressive as an athlete he is you're starting to see he gets a little bit more intelligent you know as he gets a little bit older yeah I mean he does a lot of good uh, little things right you know and so it's um and that's the thing is like he as a, as a pure runner he's one of the best in the NFL and you know even with even with the the two fumbles you can see it on on a you know go to pff.com and get an elite subscription you can take a look at his game grade from this and he had a 19.2 fumble grade uh but his run grade was a 66.2 and that that incorporates that as well so um he had a really good game if you were to take that out his grade would have been in, in the upper 80s probably um, against the England Patriots Right, and he hadn't had a uh, he averaged five and uh, just about five yards after contact per carry. So uh, that should tell you. And he then he averaged six point six yards per carry. So he was getting contacted at one, you know, basically one and a half yards uh, after the line of scrimmage uh, every single play. So uh, on, on average, every single play. So he was making all of his own yards. And so when when you know fans said, "Oh, the offensive line was great because they they." You know, Chubb had a really good game running it. It's not exactly true. Uh, the offense line was really bad. So, like, Chubb does a lot of things right, you know, and, and you do feel bad for the guy. Um, should he have known better to to put two hands on it, knowing that he's not the fastest guy in the world, just despite him actually breaking off a lot of wrong, long runs, he's still got other athletes on the field that have run four threes when he was he was not a four three uh, speed guy. So, you know, you've got you to be a little bit smarter than that, but at the same time, he makes all these little moves, like you were talking about these hesitation steps that, you know, like a Saquon Barkley or Barry Sanders, they they make you look, they put on this big monster move and it makes you look foolish. Whereas Chubb can do that, but he has this little hesitation step or this little, you know, basically that what it is and and gets by you. So, you know, and, and you know, it is what it is. And uh, it's just the kind of a kind of what the Brown season is right now. Uh, well, look, I mean, if there's anything we are not worried about with the Cleveland Browns offense right now, it's Nick Chubb. So, I mean, that just seems like it just seems like such a spur of the moment thing to go after. Um, Go back to Baltimore, you know, and, and go back to these other games where and look, the guys have averaging over 100 yards a game. So, I mean, to go after Nick Chubb with everything else that's going on, that one, guys, everybody that just needs to be put to bed. Um, Left tackle Justin McCray. John, I, I love when you can get onto the timeline because I was kind of waiting for it. And look, I, I mean, knowing enough of what you do, I knew it wasn't going to be very pretty. Um, but let's get into Justin McCray here in a little bit. And then, uh, you know, we'll start to tackle this right guard platoon situation. That was just a stupid, stupid idea. But God. So, um, you know, Browns fans wanted changes on the offensive line. And are changes needed? Probably, <laughs> but. Like or or is it changes or upgrades? Upgrades, upgrades there are what needed. Right there, you go. Upgrades are what are needed, not just changes, just for change sake. You know, and when you when you bench decide to bench Greg Robinson, you have to have some type of plan in place to to re, to fill that left tackle position. And ideally, with a player that's played left tackle in his career at a maybe more than just maybe a handful of snaps here and there, 
um, and has shown good play. Uh, not with a player that's basically never played that position and who is a guard um, because it's not going to look good. And it didn't look good. And I know I, I, I tweeted this out today where he's, his, his grade for the game was a 32.1. His pass protection grade was a 22.5. And Robinson's worst game this year was 48.7. That was with an ejection, which is heavily downgraded for when kicking somebody in the face. So you, you went from a player that was not playing well. He was inconsistent and his bad reps were really ugly looking, but he was actually on a, on a, on a play per play basis. Okay. Like it wasn't consistent, but it was consistent enough. Whereas McCray was just a train wreck and people push back on this. Right. But go watch that game again and just watch him every snap and, you'll see, oh, he's getting beat almost like every other play, which is not good. You have to be able to hold up 95% of your plays maybe, you know, and it's that's what you're looking, want to look for in that position, not every other play. And I mean, like Greg Robinson's worst game as a pro, like Greg Robinson's been awful. He's been terrible in his entire career in the NFL. His worst game is a 35.3. It was, he's never had a game that bad, ever. <laughs> And, and McCray did it in one game. So and Greg Robinson is considered around the league as a, a colossal bust. I mean, he got himself to a partial player here. I guess you know, it's almost about a year now he had been the starting tackle for Cleveland. Um, and, and look, and we talked about this last week. Maybe they were hoping you could get more, you know, and maybe he'll take one more step. But I mean, to look, to go from basically out of the league to the point where you're actually a starter i mean there's not much more i mean like i remember tony manovich years ago burned out of the league and then found a way to stick around to play right guard for a while and i know part of that was during peyton manning's rookie year uh, so it's you know there wasn't much more they could go but look i mean the moves they made they kind of left themselves shorthanded where they weren't going to fill every hole but you know look you would have gotten at least that effort from greg robinson yesterday uh, absolutely like greg robinson's he's not a good player but he's not he's not the colossal train wreck at this point in his career. He's actually at about an average level. He will have bad games. He'll have some decent games, but it all kind of plays out to maybe a below average level. Um, and at least, you know what you're going to get with him. And it's not like, so like Browns fans also look at, at last year and think he was like, had this career year, which he did, but that For career him. year was at a, maybe at a below average level. Like it was, well, it maybe could have gotten, you know, you could argue that it was an average level, but he was still not good. It was just that the, the everything came together in that offense so well that anytime he got beat, you didn't notice it. You just didn't. And so now with if Baker holds on to the ball too long, you notice the, the issues with the offensive line. The offensive line on the whole is not as good as it was last year. Chris Hubbard was better last year. He took a step back. Obviously, when you lose Kevin Zeitler, who was playing at an elite level, and especially in pass protection, you change that from Cush, and Cush is playing at a, a like below replacement level, so he's awful. Like it's an okay move to move on from Zeitler if you replace him with somebody that's average or better, but you go from an elite to below replacement level, it's an absolute disaster. So the changes that like if you know Brown fans were clamoring for changes, I was never considering Greg Robinson to be the change because he wasn't the problem for the offensive line. He, he hasn't been. Even Hubbard really hasn't been, but the problem is that you don't have you didn't have anybody on the offensive line to replace those guys with. You had a guy in Wyatt Teller though that to replace Eric Cush, 
And Wyatt Taylor, you know, he got nine snaps in the game and played well. So, you know, that's what they should have done. The only, only with Taylor, I think. But yeah, I, I, and maybe you're waiting on Drew Forbes. Um, if Kendall Lamb was truly healthy, maybe you could say, look, you know, we're gonna just try it because I mean, essentially, when you're talking Lamb, Hubbard, Robinson, it's it's a who maybe is hot would have the best day out of the three. Uh, you know, and for yeah, me, Lamb least, not being healthy is uh, is a bummer. Yeah, um, and for me, it was the, wait a minute, we're going to make a left tackle change going against the savage genius in Bill Belichick. This doesn't sound like a good idea. Then they're also part of me in the way where it, maybe it came down from John Dorsey where Greg found out, and then maybe it was a, hmm, if they're not going to play him on Sunday, Tuesday there's a trade deadline at 4 o'clock, maybe a veteran team's looking for a swing tackle, or something. So maybe, I, I don't know. I mean, but there is part of me that thinks that Greg Robinson, this could be it come four o'clock tomorrow. If there's a veteran team that's, you know, me personally, I picked the team, maybe the Niners where you have both your tackles who were kind of struggling with leg injuries. So you hope they're both going to come back 100%. Maybe you want to find a way to just get another body in there for the time being, who knows, but just, uh, that was just kind of me speculating, but Taylor, you're saying it was nine snaps versus Kush. But look, I'll tell you right now, I mean, what I saw of Kush and the little bit I saw, first things first, Taylor is a large, large dude. He is a big man. You see that 77, there is no escaping it. In in nine reps versus what Kush got, John, is this over? Should Eric Kush ever take another rep at right guard again? Uh bearing injury, no. Um, I don't I don't really know what their plan was yesterday in the game where they just doing this weird rotation like when it comes to offensive line rotating stuff like that is this never a good idea like you need consistency i'm a kansas jayhawks fan by the way rock chalk jayhawk we won this weekend finally in the big 12 but there was there was uh there i was listening to the broadcast and like they they rotate nine offensive linemen they have one surefire starter in their left tackle who's not even that good and they rotate everybody else and i was like that's just because that's his philosophy. And it's like, that's a terrible philosophy that nobody's going to have any type of consistency. There's a reason why the Kansas has been awful. So it's like, you can't rotate these guys. Wyatt Teller playing. He played well in the NFL. He has good snaps in the NFL as a rookie last year, came in only played nine snaps, but his pass pro grade is 79 point or something like 79 upper seventies, whatever it is. It's the second best on the team now. So it, I mean, it's obviously small sample, but like, He's shown right, in the it's a NFL good small to be, sample. The Patriots right, is a really good small sample. Right. He didn't get beat. He didn't get beat. So, you know, what do you want more from him? And then he also played them last year when he was in the AFC East anyways and played well. And he created in the 80s in pass protection. So put him in there. I don't know what's taken so long. You got this guy before the season started. It's already week eight, week nine now. I don't know why he hasn't been in there more than more than what he has. It, it should have been. It's a move that should have been made four weeks ago. Maybe you needed to get him more acclimated to the system, but it needs to happen, and it needs to happen now. Uh, look, I mean, he's playing next to J.C. Treader, um, Joel Batonio. I mean, there's no way he obviously he could have been ready for week one. I mean, and you should have said, "Well, this is I, this is the move I made." Obviously, we had this entire farce of a competition the entire summer at right guard. None of them are any good. So, um, yeah, this is why I made a move, and hopefully, you know, we won't, you know, who knows? I mean, Drew Forbes, the injury and the thing which pushed him back where he looked like maybe he was a possibility there. 
But look, it's, you know, get Teller in there and it's, he's obviously just a better player. I mean, it's obviously a little bit tougher. And if I say, I see Kush, Kush is 72 creeping into Baker one more time. It's just going to make me sick to my stomach because this is what we talked about last year was, is Baker, it didn't really matter that the tackles, and I guess for the latter part of the season, they were okay. It's the interior. Um, you know, he needs he needs that space to be able to see. I mean, you know, look, he is six feet. There's no way we're going to hide it. He needs to be able to see it. But when his guard, who was taller than him, is getting walked back into him, it just creates some issues here. Uh, we got to offensive line play. We're going to get to uh, the cornerbacks here. I want to, you know, obviously it was nice to have the kids back. We'll get to that here a little bit. And then, uh, you know, we'll get to uh, something John wanted to get here, so which we will do that here in a second. As a true football fan, you already know, just as sure as the seasons change, Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in the game. It's a bad week for this copy. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test. So why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season. So now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with MyBookie.ag. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet, period. So if you're going to get into betting this season, the place to do it is MyBookie.ag. Whether it's parlays, whether it's betting on fantasy over-unders, check out MyBookie.ag. They will still match your initial deposit up to 100% with the promo code locked on, no space, all caps. Go ahead, check it out. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid john it was nice to see the kids yesterday um greedy obviously had a tweet he wasn't too happy about the offensive pass interference which now this is going to be an issue here because when your head coach cannot get off of the fact that he's getting bad calls against him and look this is part of it you commit a lot of penalties and you can continue to commit a lot of penalties a referee's got his hand on the flag going all right yeah i'm going to throw it because they commit a lot of penalties and when Freddie can't get off of it, now you got players tweeting about it. And this is one of the issues I have with him. This isn't something you're going to, you know, this isn't fireable in my opinion, but it's, it's a pain in the ass because you wonder where the focus is going into the next down. But Denzel Ward, the dropped interception, that would have been a nice one to have. Greedy Williams after getting beat early by Philly, Philip Dorsett. These guys, A, number one, it's nice to have them back. You can just see the difference in athleticism in these two kids as opposed to TJ Carey and Terrence Mitchell. How did they go? Because everybody wants to get, I mean, there were still people getting on the defense yesterday when the Browns offense had more total yards. Like sometimes you just can't bitch about everything. No. uh, Yeah. So Denzel Ward played awesome. He was great yesterday. He was targeted three times, gave up nothing, Um, had two pass breakups. Even, you know, you even talk about the, the dropped interception, it would have been boosted his grade even further. He had an 83 coverage grade in that game, uh, 81.6 for the game. Um, didn't miss a tackle. So all good things from Denzel physical, Ward. Which yeah. is what you're always worried about with Denzel. Well, right. And he he's a player that um, uh, coming into the season looked more and looked bigger and, and people – you know, in the organization was telling me that he, he put on a lot of weight, you know, put on like 10, 15 pounds of muscle, which is good, you know? So, so maybe he's 203 now. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I mean, that, he's going to be able to hold up hopefully now. And and maybe that led to a hamstring injury by be, having more muscle on. So uh, get get in touch with Tom Brady and his pliability stuff or something. I don't know. But Denzel – now, so Denzel was great. Greedy – you saw it, though. Greedy got beat a couple times. 
Um, you know, obviously he, he complained about on Twitter with the, the the pass interference or whatever. Like neither one of those were pass interference. Neither one of them was. And of course, Browns are going to get it. Patriots aren't. And you're right. Just get off social media and just don't even worry about what what's happening on the outside. Like you've got to take care of your own business, and you don't have, you don't have to ever worry. There's bad calls all across the league. So like when when a bad call goes against the Browns, obviously, and it and it happens a lot, and you're losing, it's a big deal. But like if you're winning and you it, nobody cares about it. Um, just like it's the same thing that happened last year. Like bad calls were happening beginning of last year. They started winning. Nobody cared. Whatever. But like so greedy. You know, beat a couple times. Um, so his grade was, wasn't as good. It was at 55.2, uh, but he didn't miss a tackle, which is also good. Uh, something that, for, you know, coming out of college was a big yep. question mark for him. He's definitely physical enough. He, he definitely likes to hit. You can see that for sure. Um, but like you, you, even, even though he like cornerback grades for us, our coverage grades are pretty volatile. So like, if you get beat a couple times in a game and you don't, complement that with some pass breakups or an interception or something like that and it just happens to be that you're not really targeted all that often your grade kind of will suffer just because of the fact that like it's a production grade and so if you're getting targeted and those targets you get caught and you give up a couple first downs it lowers that grade over the course of the year though like he was locked down on whoever he was guarding uh he was doing a really good job of making brady hold on to the ball longer than he expected when he was looking his way uh so you saw that um which is good and those two guys coming back are like you, nothing but good things are going to happen for this defense. Uh, the issues that that had, the defense had were not them, definitely not the edge players. Uh, it was phenomenal effort by those two. Yeah, Miles Garrett now has the highest pass rush grade in the NFL of any player. So he's, he's I mean, good. it's it's good. Like he's he's not playing well in run defense. Like the Browns' defense run defense has been bad this year. Uh, their coverage unit outside those two guys have been pretty bad. So, like, the issues are are not with Greedy and Denzel. Um, there's some schematic things that were were messed up. You saw a fourth down play. They didn't know. You know, I think it was – I think Freddie said in his press conference today that, like, oh, we, we had it called up. We didn't bust anything. It's like, no, there were some massive miscommunications on that play. They're, I mean, just go watch it. They're, like you've got uh, Jermaine Whitehead jumping up and down, trying to get people to go somewhere else, and and it, he has to like bail to you know cover and compensate for somebody busting on a play. Um, I don't even really actually know who it was. It should have maybe should have been Mac Wilson over there, but it, it was not good. So which would make sense when in doubt, maybe it's the twenty-one year old rookie who's not exactly sure where he's supposed to be. Um, but then again, I mean, you're going against Tom Brady, and that was even the thing. And even for greedy, though, I mean, you know, you've essentially, I mean. Yeah, the two, first two weeks, whatever. But that's in the rear view now. It's been a month since this kid played. And, hey, guess what? On the road, New England Patriots. And, you know, you heard it even when they asked about him. Do you even remember Tom Brady when you were a kid? He's like, he went to the combine before I was born. Um, you know, so, <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, what, what, do you, what do you think you would get? You know, like, maybe he remember. How about, do you remember him when you were in fifth grade? No, when you were a kid? I mean, come on. I mean, you know, no, he doesn't remember anything before five. It's you know, right. that part of it ridiculous. Um, but look, I mean, you know, it's how you cut your chops in this league. You go against, go, you, you play against, you know, the best of the best. Don, the linebackers. We seeing any light here at the end of the tunnel? No, no. Um, you know, Schober. I mean, it just was. 
Schobert's not playing at the level he did, he played last year. Um, you know, I don't Mack think will, this two linebacker scheme is good for him. Um, it's just he's not a Mike linebacker, so that's the problem. So he he shouldn't be playing Mike. He should be playing you know the the Will backer. Um, so that's an issue, and so he's he's out of position. So he's not he's never he's not a big guy. He's never been that. He was a he was an edge defender, and he um, stands next to Whitehead, and Whitehead looks like he's got him by a by an inch and maybe about ten pounds. Yeah. So like his his role is a weird role that he plays that it's not fit for him. And and you know what? There's a re- like like he I like him as a player. I think he's, he's a obviously a very intelligent player, and and when he's in the right role, he can be very good. Uh, and that's not the Mike linebacker role. I, you know, and as all the faults that Greg had, Greg put him in good positions, you know, not in run defense, but definitely as a coverage defender. Cause he was great as a coverage defender. Um, but he's just obviously not playing well. Here's the thing though. Like everybody talks about the schedule getting easier. It's definitely going to get easier for him. Um, and so when you go up against Tom Brady and, and that offense, no matter how, much they struggle like Brady knows how to pick apart a defense regardless of of what else is going on around him um you had Russell Wilson that's a tough matchup to go up against and Lamar Jackson not a good matchup for for Joe Schobert at all so like and, and the defense essentially so there's a lot been a lot of games so far this year that essentially aren't good matchups for this defense uh moving forward it's going to be a lot better I would say um but I'm and especially getting back greedy and ward that will help the entire defense. I don't know how much people understand how important that is. Like miles Garrett's been wrecking games this year, but you almost, it almost goes unnoticed because of the fact that like, there's nobody in the back end locking it down this game. You finally had players locking it down. It forced the quarterback to hold it. And it made that defensive line go, Hey, these <laughs> got miles Garrett's actually getting pressure on the quarterback. You can see it helps the linebackers a bit there, but they still struggle in, in when they have to fit their run gaps because they can't take on blocks. They're both undersized linebackers. Mac Wilson's just never been that good. So, like, uh, people love Mac Wilson, but he's there's, he, there's a reason why he was a fifth-round pick. He's just not that good. Well, I mean, it's, you know, and, and look, it is understandable if he went in the fifth round. It's understandable he's 21. And, look, uh, you'd rather him get all this junk out of it now uh, and see where it goes. One thing before we get to our third segment. Uh, obviously, the Browns today moved on with Jannard Avery for a fourth-round pick in the 2020, uh, 2021 draft. John, obviously, there's not much we can talk about Jannard as an on-field player um, from this season because uh, I'm assuming it's, it is probably single-digit snaps. But this is more – look, this is a 2-5 and five team right now. And a lot of people are calling for the head coach's head. A lot of people are calling for coaches' heads. So you moved on from a guy who looked like a pretty productive pass rusher last year. I guess maybe their thing was is they didn't just feel he was big enough because they tried to make him bigger. That didn't work out. But now you moved on from a player for a pick in 2021. Is the Browns defense good enough right now where they're pushing talent out the door for a fourth-round pick that, you know, we have no – we can't even put a name on that because it's 20 months away. So it's um so somebody tweeted I think it's Rappaport that said they that they were bringing in edge defenders to try out Demontre Moore Demontre Moore oh yeah well there we go now I feel better and it's like um I tweet I re- I responded with like well 
bummer. <laughs> Too bad they don't have somebody in, in the building already that they could use as a situational pass rusher. It's like you're you're you moved on from Avery without knowing what he was this year. He's never taken enough snaps in Wilkes' system to even know what he was. He I mean, he, he I rushed mean, a passer. He rushed a passer twice in this game. He got one pressure. So his pressure percentage his, was fifty percent. His first snap of the game. His first snap of the game. Yes. It's like. I mean, we obviously obviously saw what he did last year, and you you don't put him, you don't drop him in coverage. That's not who he is. Um, there are some roles in coverage that he could be good at, but this straight dropping into coverage is not one of them. And he did that a ton last year. But when he rushed the passer and he was he's you know was set in the edge, he was very good last year. He wasn't he wasn't great. Like he wasn't at the like at a plus eighty level of, in our grading, but he was in the seventies, and that's good. So. Why they didn't try to use him then? It's like, and it's what's weird is that like he was a, actually a John Dorsey guy. It's not like he was a Sashi Brown mm-hmm. guy that he's trying to get rid of too. So like I don't, I don't, I don't know what the the whole issue with that is. I mean, there's a silver lining that at least they got uh, a, a higher draft pick than what they they used on him. But like the, the Philadelphia Eagles are going to use him properly, and he's going to be a, a productive player for them and help them in the playoffs. So it's it's a frustrating yeah. to that ship him off like that because he's a especially especially a, like he's super cheap and he's going to be productive for you it's just it doesn't make sense especially for something that's going to happen in two years like he's a player that like you can use like rotation in your rotation as an edge defender fourth round picks fifth round picks like those are dart throws so you threw a dart on a fifth round player in the draft and you landed on somebody that's a quality player and then you're immediately shipping him off. It makes no sense to me. Well, I mean, look, if I can get to see more Chris Smith, I mean, that's what I need. You know, more Chris Smith, more Chad Thomas. It just, I don't know, it, 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 dumb move. Uh, we're going to get here to, uh, this, uh, you know, what John wanted to get here to. Uh, but first, folks, Peloton is offering a limited time offer. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike. And get a great cardio workout at home. Ain't got to leave. Don't worry about it. Everything right there, obviously, in the room of your choice in the house. Go to OnePeloton.com and use the promo code LOCKED, all caps, L-O-C-K-E-D, to get started. We appreciate Peloton for their sponsorship of Locked on Browns. John, you wanted to hit on organizational hierarchy, which would have, obviously, ownership, general manager, coach quarterback having these four things in place having these four things hopefully work within unison and look there's places that it can almost kind of be done you look at the team we played yesterday um maybe you're not going to get it to go with for 20 years but go ahead john yeah so what are the i mean you look at an or, or every organization across the nfl what are the the pillars that the this organization stands on like what needs to be there in place for your your team to succeed um, and that's your, you have to have a good owner. You have to have a good GM. You have to have a good head coach. And then to make it all work on the field, you have to have that quarterback. Um, so those are your four pillars. And if you're weak at one of them, your, your, your house or whatever it is that you have is going to, to crumble. Right. So, and if you're weak on, on multiple of them, it's definitely not going to hold up. Um, it can hold up for a little bit. You can make some, do some things that make it that trick people or whatever. And, and, patch things together but um you know if one of them is always weak um it's going to be difficult to have sustained success in in the nfl obviously like bill belichick is two pillars he's basically the gm and the head coach and those are always stable 
Then you've had Tom Brady, who's obviously very stable. And then Robert Kraft lets them do what he, what they need to do. Now, I, a question for you. How would you rank the pillars of the Cleveland Browns and the Haslam's down down to Baker Mayfield? What, what do you think? If you're asking me on a confidence level, I think. Yeah, zero out of ten. Yeah. So you can use it as a zero if you wanted to put uh, good old Jimmy Haslam as a zero. I think my most confidence right now is probably in the quarterback. Um, you know, what we have today, we have a GM already. Now, you've already moved on from your first draft class here from your second round pick, which you maybe, and then your third round pick was bad. Maybe you scored on your fifth round pick, which offset your third round pick in 2018. But for some reason, you just shipped that guy out the door. You've got a head coach right now who can't stop arguing with officials. Um, reviews plays where people in the booth are literally saying, all right, we're just going to get on the next play here. There's no reason you'd even review this. Oh, all right, we're going to review this. Oh, all right, here's a, here's a pa- pass interference. Uh, there's no reason to review this. The league is pretty much just stopped, like an unwritten notice that they're not going to overturn them because they haven't overturned the last 23 that they've done. Yeah, if you're going to ask me of the four, the most confidence I have right now is in Baker. The rest of it, right now at two and five, and Freddie kind of can't get out of his own way on the sidelines and can't worry about the next play. He wants to worry about the play before. And now you have John in the Haslam's. The Haslam's just need to put on the jacket and tie, have D dress up real nice and walk around, greet the fans. As far as actually day-to-day knowledge of this franchise, it should be a, how are you doing today, Jimmy? Hi D. How are you? We're going to go into the back. We're going to have some meetings. Oh yeah. We'll come on for lunch in an hour. Love to see you guys. Love to talk for a minute. Yeah, so um, the way the way I look at it is basically kind of the same. Like Baker on a zero to ten, you could probably go like their confidence level in 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 that quarterback right now is probably a six or seven. Last year, you know, you know, before the season started, you're probably much higher. You're probably looking at an eight nine. Um, you're not crowning him anything just yet, but um, I think the the confidence has wavered there. Freddie Kitchens, you're talking about a zero or a one, um, maybe one for his ability to. Like you've seen how he can call good plays in the past. I don't know if you can really give him any of that credit anymore. John Dorsey, um, there's, there, I think he he's a good talent like evaluator, but he doesn't know how to build a team. It doesn't really seem like he's burnt. He burned through all like what he inherited by from Sashi's you know tenure, and basically there's nothing left of it in terms of you know the the cap space. Um, obviously he used the draft picks and, and, and whatnot. So like you could, I could see a four, maybe a five for him. And then like the Haslam's maybe a zero one, because at least you could maybe give them credit that like they've recognized they've made a mistake and they're looking to correct it. They just don't have any clue on how to correct those mistakes. And that kind of obviously seems like how the, the, the team is that they don't know how to correct their mistakes. The head coach doesn't know how to correct his mistakes and the team doesn't know how to correct their mistakes. And it's, and it's just, and it's all that is basically crumbling around, and and really, when you have it all crumbling down, it, it brings the quarterback down even more. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a train wreck right now. Um, everything is crumbling, and there's not there's not a lot of options to fix it. And you know, people are calling for Freddie's head. People are calling for John Dorsey's head. Um, and really, they it. it I don't blame them because it's not been good. So um, 
you, you've got to be able to recognize what the flaws are. Everybody knows what the flaws are, but like why they're happening and, and how to correct them. And it doesn't seem like anybody in that organization knows how to do that. And that's all because the owners don't know how to correct their own mistakes. It's, it, it just seems a whole bunch of, you know, and, and you, you even see it now, you know, like the players on the field, every time they do something, they're looking at the referees afterwards and you're not playing with confidence and look in, in penalties are contagious. False starts are contagious. And it's, as you know, you played, I played for an offensive player to commit a false start. You know, what was the first thing you were always told by any coach? You're a freaking idiot. The ball's there. You were in the huddle, right? You were in the huddle, right? So you, you knew, I mean, obviously you were defensive back. It wasn't something you really had. I, I played, I played offense in, in high school though. So like I, I, I was a running back in, in high school and basically like that's like I, I made it a point like I would never fall start because and also the way we like in our at our high school like if if for every penalty our team committed we would have to like we had some type of you know penalty that we had to do in practice on on Monday you know after the game where we, we you know what what if it was like for every every penalty it was like maybe a gasser or something like that. I don't, I don't know something that was like, where it was like, you let the team down, but the team has to pay for it. And so you did that. And like our team didn't really commit penalties because we played discipline because our coach coached discipline. Um, and it's not like we had good players and not even we'd have intelligent players in high school. Like I didn't play on a, I played on a team that went five and four or something like that. So it's not like we were very good. Um, but that's, that's a coaching thing. Like it really is like, like you've got to be able to understand what those mistakes are and know how to correct them. And Freddie clearly doesn't know how to correct that type of stuff, you know? And like, like on a defensive side of the ball, like you're not listening for the, for the snap. You're, you're, you're watching the ball for the snap. You're watching the other player. If he's moving, you move, not be, not listening for the hot, hot. That doesn't work because it, that they're trying to draw you offside. So you, and that's another thing. It's a, it's a coaching thing. Like you have to be able to coach that and, and just like, not just tell them, but you have to actually practice it. And it doesn't seem like that's what they do. So like, those are easily correctable things in my opinion, that that they're not correcting. And that's on coaches that's on. And then it's like the, the whole, you know, the GM part of this, like what's he doing telling Greg Robinson that he's been benched. That's a coaching thing. Not a great, that's not a GM thing. So like, and then also it's not like, like Freddie doesn't have the relationship with Greg. Freddie has been here longer than Greg was. Right. And it's, it, so you like, and that's the thing is it's a coaching thing. And the inactives and actives on a roster, that's a coaching thing. Who plays on Sundays and stuff like that. That's a coaching thing. If that's being done by John Dorsey, which we we're not in the buildings, we don't know what's who's doing what. That's a problem. That's a big problem. That's not how the, an organization and how a football team should be run. The GM is a guy there that's supposed to build the team, acquire assets, uh, and and do basically kind of almost do what the coach needs him to do to to get them the players he need, he needs. You should be able to adjust to your to your players and stuff like that. But every coach has a scheme, and you want to get those players. Like they don't have a fullback on the roster, right? Like if Kyle Shanahan was here and the head coach, then. John Dorsey decided, no, you don't need a fullback because that's not my philosophy. Like that would never work. What did like you hire me for then? Right. Like, like you have, you have a certain philosophy that Kyle Shanahan loves to use fullbacks. So you get fullbacks on the roster or players that 
if they're a tight end hybrid, you know, hybrid t- tight end fullback, you get him those players because he needs those players for his scheme. Yes. Can he put his players in great positions and, and adjust his scheme to fit his player? Yes, absolutely. But like, that's what the, the GM is for is basically to do that stuff. Not to dictate, this is the scheme I want you to run. I don't know if that's that, what's happening, but it, it does seem kind of like that. And especially with like the whole Richard Higgins and C- Antonio Callaway thing. Like Higgins is a much better player than Antonio Callaway is. Callaway has all this talent and raw tools, but that means nothing if you can't run the right routes and be in the right places at the, at the right times, which Higgins, you saw Higgins came into the game and Baker immediately started targeting him like immediately. <laughs> and it was, like, it was not my, like my baby's back. My baby's back. Right. And he, he they got that phantom uh, pass interference call, but Baker immediately went to him because I know he's going to be in this spot and he threw him a dime. Like, and it was like, man, that looks great. Like, why don't you do that more? But then he pulled him. He pulled him immediately because Jarvis was healthy. And it's like, what? Like, why aren't you pulling Callaway? Because he's clearly not on the same page with Callaway. Like, you even saw it, like, with the the one pass that Callaway caught. Like, he had to pull it down and wait for Callaway get, to get into the spot that he needed him to be at because he was in the wrong spot. So it's like, I don't know what they're doing. And, and then, then again, though, but again, it goes back to the 18 class. It's like you're you're choosing to hang on to some and push it even though it doesn't deserve to be pushed and then there's you know look Corbett I, we're all in agreement there but you know the fact that you just moved on from Gennard Avery because basically it was like well we don't know what to do with him so we'll just move him on which is it's yes just- exactly like like he required you had Gennard Avery there good pass pass rusher figure out how to use him figure it out because he can get after the passer it's not like he's he's a guy that's going to be a liability when he's out there rushing the passer he's not He's a much better pass rusher than he's, he's the third best pass rusher on that team as an, on that defensive line. And they're not, yeah. they weren't using him. So I, I don't know. I don't get it. We talked about NASCAR stuff. And look, if you wanted to start working Chad Thomas in a first down, because you like what he did in run D that's fine. Um, but you had a way to have Olivier Vernon, uh, Sheldon Richardson, Larry, Joby, either one of the two, Jannard Avery and miles Garrett, all there for pass rushing situation that explored or go five of them. And go one linebacker, five behind. There was just so many things they could have done, and they never chose to do it. Maybe it's because the, the corners were out, but I don't know. But we got to put a bow on this here. Pleasure with John, and you know he brings definitely perspective. Uh, at John Costco three, um, obviously check him out. Obviously uh, over PFF, PFF Brown stuff. The show itself at Locked On Browns always a follow back account. DMs always open. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, you know, DMs are open over there. Uh, you appreciate everybody. Look, we get now, yes, the schedule is softer, but it's only going to be softer. This team plays like it's capable of playing. That's what it's going to be. Um, we'll see, you know, give me a win on Sunday, and that's not going to tell the whole total tale. But either way, this has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound. LGB on the LOB.